0: We are excited about all that God's done. I'm going to move ahead of the chords so we don't risk all this falling down. That could be bad. But we are excited about, yeah, I know, right? We are, um, we are excited about all that God is doing and, and just uh, appreciate Him and, and His love and His goodness towards us. We've been, um, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about worship uh, as a warfare, right? Uh, we've titled the sermon uh, series, Prepare for Warship, right? Just to kind of give it a, a little marketing appeal. But, but the reality for us is that's truth, Right? You know, our first, our first Sunday in the series, we, we talked about how for us to really understand our warfare, and for us to really understand our call to worship, we had to really picture God and all that God is, and everything that God is, and everything that God provides, and everything that God offers us. And we talked about when Elijah, uh, Elisha showed his, his um, servant uh, the multitude, uh, of angels, and the multitude of those that surrounded them that were ready to do battle on their behalf. And, and so we pick, gave that picture to you of two men seemingly standing alone without a lot to defend them against a huge army that they thought there was no way they could overcome. And yet, Elisha says, no, 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 <laughs> take a look around. And he asked God to open up the, pro, the, the servant's eyes so that he could see, and he saw all of the glories of God that were ready to battle on their behalf, right? And it's important for us to understand that, that there is a battle taking place. There is truly a battle for man's soul. There is absolutely no if and or but anything trying to take us away from what God intends for us in this life. And it is vital for us to understand that we, if we are really, truly impassioned by all that God is in our life, then we are truly, need to be impassioned about going into that battle. Now, when I, when I, was, in, when I was in the Marine Corps, I, I never saw harm's way. Uh, and part of me is thankful for that, but then there's part of me that was like, man, I had brothers who did, and, and, and you know, standing by them side would have been one of the greatest honors of my life. And, and defending this country and, and our way of life. But, but I never saw harm's way, so I was never in that battle. But, but one thing that, that if, if you're not in the military, and I know there's a handful of you in here who were, if, if you've never been in the military, sometimes you don't really understand the bravado that goes on, right? You think we're just a bunch of cocky, full of ourselves, mess, right? right? And, and in some cases, that's true. In some cases, you're right. We are all of that, but but in other cases, you have to understand that we have been trained and prepared by a lot of times men who have been in combat and, and they are setting a mindset and they are setting a preparation within us that whatever comes, we're stronger than that. Whatever comes, we're mightier than that. Whatever comes, we're tougher than that and we're going to go through it, right? They're building that mindset. They're building that, that, that fundamental oomph for lack of a better word, bravado, if you you will, inside of us so that whatever we face, no matter how challenging or daunting or scary, it looks like we are convinced in our mind that we're going to go through it. Right? It's their job to prepare us to think that way. Otherwise, what would we do? We'd all tuck tail and run, right? Anytime situations got tough and scary. Worship, Worship is our preparation for that in the Christian life. Worship is our time to remember that there is a God on a throne. And worship is our time to remember that no matter what we're packing when we come in, no matter what is on our shoulders when we come in, no matter how bad the week has been, no matter how tough things are at home, no matter how tough things are at the job, no matter how tough things are with the kids, no matter what that neighbor that just absolutely grates our nerves is, no matter what any of that is and what we carry in, worship is a time that we come and we engage Engage in the battle and the reality that God is bigger than all of that and God will take us through those things if we choose to walk with Him and if we choose to see Him where He is high upon His throne. Amen? And and we we are all called to that reality and we are all called to battle. Amen? From the moment you declare Jesus Christ over your life, you are in a battle and you are in a warfare. Amen? And this world will afflict you. This world will do dirty things to you. This world will hurt you. This world will chew you up and spit you out. Amen. And I know there's a lot of people here this morning that can give that testimony. But what I want you to know and what I want you to feel is that your God is bigger and your God is able to carry you through those things. So just as a warrior would prepare for battle, believing that they can go through the enemy, we need to come and we need to believe that no matter what the wiles of the devil are, they are nothing but fiery darts that will ding off the armor in us created by a spirituality that takes us beyond this realm. And we need to to embrace that and we need to live that. Now the problem is, a problem is a lot of us think we're A lot of us think we're fighting a good fight a lot of us think that because we chew up the spinner sinner and spit them out we're fighting a good fight a lot of us think because we promote our righteousness our self-righteousness above everything else then then we're we're fighting a good fight amen that's not the battle i'm talking i'm not talking about that battle at all amen that honestly to be honest with you that's not a battlefield amen that's a mission field and we need to start treating it as such Amen? Oh, you got quiet on me on that. Amen? We need, we need to move and understand where the battle is and where the mission is. The mission field is going and saving those that are lost. Amen? Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but he came that the world might set free, might be set free. And when we understand that that's the mission, and we treat that as the mission, and we love before we judge, we embrace before we analyze and we lift and build people up more than building ourselves or building the church or building anything else, when we choose to build on the love of Jesus Christ, then we start to see fulfillment of the mission field. Then we start to understand the idea of go and compel them to come in, right? And that's where we're called to go. That's what we're called to do. The battlefield has nothing to do with that. The battlefield is everything that will spiritually come upon us to influence us away from the mission field, right? The battlefield is a spiritual struggle. The battlefield is a spiritual warfare where where Satan will rise people up and things up and situations up, circumstances up in our life to detract us from the mission field, right? So here's, here's my challenge to you. Become consumed in the mission. Become consumed in the mission and lift your hands and praise the God for the battle. Amen? And when we do, we will find that our thinking, we will find that our heart, we will find that our mindset, and we will find that our victory doesn't come from anything inside of us. Amen? Nothing within us. No, no platform, no self-righteousness, no, no, I did this, I've been here, I've learned this, I can quote this many scriptures, blah, 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 blah. There's gonna be a lot of resumes laid down in front of Jesus in that day, and he's gonna say, Depart. Amen. So get off your resume and get onto the mission field. Get off your resume and get onto the mission field. And when you're on the mission field, look to a God who is high and is holy and is mightier than anything that comes our way and win the war. Win the war. Amen. And we can see throughout Scripture Moses, David, Abraham, even. We can find again and again and again examples in Scripture of people who went to the mission field, didn't get any self. Gratification, didn't get enough plaudits, didn't get enough pats on the back, amen. They were getting attacked from the people they were trying to save as well as getting attacked from the people that were trying to prevent them from helping them. I mean, again and again and again, we see in Scripture that those who were persecuted were persecuted for what? Righteousness' sake. They were persecuted for righteousness' sake. They were persecuted for doing the will of of God. Whether it be the disciples and the apostles... And all of the church, the early church that came after them, or whether it be all the way back in the Old Testament, we see the same is true. That those that went to the mission field and embattled on the mission field for the calls of God in people's lives normally ended up embattled on every front. Even those closest to them. And so what we find in all of that what we find in all of that is we find our place with God. We find where God matters in our life. And if you do a study of the first 20 Psalms, you're going to see that David and Moses in those Psalms, there, there's a collection of, uh, of David's writings as well as Moses' writings, you're going to find a collection of Psalms that transcend the warfare. And what you're going to find in that, and I'm, I'm going to read some to you out of, um, out of the 8th chapter of Psalms, but, but what we find in that is we find an up and down struggle. We find these that we find these psalms to where they're they're focused on the enemy. They're focused on everything that is up against them. Lord, you know, save me and redeem me from, from the enemy, re, re, you know, redeem me and protect me from those who lie against me. Protect me from this and God do all of these, you know, recognizing the battlefield. Amen? And in all of that, we see that the battlefield is those who are attacking, not the man, not the the household, not the family, but but those who are attacking the work of God in these people's lives. Right? And so then you see the servants, David and Moses, you see them start to transcend in their prayers and in their, their moments with God. You see that they start to talk about, in spite of their adversaries, in spite of the opposition, you see they start to talk about who God is. They start to focus on, oh, He's the God of this. He's the God of that. He promised this. God, you said you were my deliverer God. You said this. And friend, I want to tell you what. When you reach a level that you start praying the Scriptures back to God, you're going to find a power and a resource in that, that that goes beyond the most eloquent of words you'll ever find. When you start talking to God, not, not, not disrespectfully, with all humility, but when you start coming to God and you start claiming to Him who He said He was in worship and prayer, you're going to find that God now says, and I'm going to prove it to you. Amen? And I'm going to prove it to you. And that is when God begins to work and surround us and deliver us from our enemies. And we see in these Psalms that, that they go from woe is me to singing glory hallelujah, right? Now I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but they go from woe is me to singing glory hallelujah because all of a sudden they forget who the enemy is and they start to remember who God is. And when they remember who God is, God starts to move on their behalf. Amen? Here's how David puts it in the 8th Psalm. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Now keep in mind that the Psalms leading up to this was pretty woe is me. Okay? Pretty woe is me. But we start to see the tide turn in, in David here. O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens, out of thy mouth, out of the mouth of babes and suckling hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger... When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. Okay, what's he doing? He's leaving God on the throne here and he's recanting everything that God has done that he can think of. He is reminding himself of how mighty in battle God is. He's reminding himself how mighty in battle God will be and how God will do the things because if he can hang the stars, if he can do these things, then he can work on my behalf. Now we see David come to verse 4 where he says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Okay, what's David doing? David's realizing that he's not worth this feeling of God. He's not worth this power of God in his man state. But, and the son of man that thou visitest him, and thou hast made him a little lower the angels, and hast crowned him with glory. Now it starts to click for David where David starts to realize, Wait a minute. I'm a child of God. You see, it's starting to click for David. He's starting to realize that this God that hung the stars is also the same God that created him. This God that has moved mountains and oceans and has done the incredible things on this life that that generations have been taught and heard of, that that same God is the God that has his hand on him and will lead him into battle and against his adversaries. Now David is starting to click with the idea that God is now fighting for him and doing things on his behalf. And he's seeing that you have made me, you have made man a little lower than the angels. And hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Amen. Now, Now you see it starting to boil up in David. Now you start to see in David that because of who you are, God, you've put these things under my feet. Because of who you are, God, I can tread on serpents and scorpions. Because of who you are, God, I can now overcome my enemies. Amen. This is why worship is warfare. This is the example for us. And there are multiple chapters throughout Psalms and Proverbs and into Ecclesiastes and so on. That will take us to a place of where people in in the pit. People in, in, in the mire. People going through struggles because of their mission field. That God moves on their behalf and lifts them up out of this depressed state. And lifts them up out of this woe is me mentality. And brings them into a power and brings them into a glory that only comes from the throne. From the throne. All that ought to just make you shout. Huh? It ought to just make you shout. Amen? Because in ourselves, in ourselves, there's no power. Amen? You start to claim power in yourself, you're self-righteous, hypocritical. Amen? And just need slapped. Amen? Yeah. But our power comes through the worship and the adoration and the glory of God, and all of the power that is manifest. Don't don't misunderstand. I'm not going to slap anybody. Amen. It's just a metaphor. Just a metaphor. Okay. But our power comes from God and from the glory of God. And when we choose to accept that, when we choose to quit looking at all the stuff, and when we choose to quit allowing ourselves to be consumed with who the enemy is, and we start to become empowered with who our God is, that's when there's a difference. When David walked onto the battlefield against Goliath, why did he do it? Is he trying to impress the girls? Hmm? Did the, did the king promise him a million dollars? Amen. I, I was teaching this to youth one time. And, uh, and they would always try to trick me. And I like that because I like the challenge and everything else. And they said, do you think David knew about the promise of the king's daughter and everything else? And I was like, I really don't think so. I really don't think he did. I really don't think so. And everything else, because I don't think that was even in his thought. I don't think that was even in his mindset. Amen? If we see his battle cry, if we see his war cry, it was all about who God was. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine defiling the armies of the living God? He was insulted because of God. He was insulted because of the place and the standing that he had God in his life. He he was absolutely angry that someone would talk about God, his God, my God the God of Israel like that and little shepherd boy because of his defiance for a living God walked onto the battlefield against the greatest champion of that day and said not on my watch not on my watch. And the same sword that Goliath carried into battle is what David used to cut off his head. Amen? Not because David was that great. He was a little shepherd boy with three rocks. Amen? And a sling. And we can, we can talk about that story all we want, that God guided the rock, and there was a certain place in Goliath and everything else. And, and okay, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Right? But at the end of the day, victory came because God remained on the throne on the battlefield. And David did not allow his enemy to defeat him mentally, to defeat him in his heart, or defeat him in his spirit because his God was bigger. He lived a life of praise and celebration of who God was and not who his enemies were. Amen. And the longer we, the longer we embellish our enemies, the longer we embellish those who stand in opposition of us in our mission field. Amen. Not us in our high and mighty field, but us in our mission field. Amen. Where we get our hands dirty and where we get on our knees and where we serve. Amen. Are y'all with me? Where we serve. Amen. Because we ain't serving, we ain't doing nothing. Amen? But where we serve those that stand in opposition of us, where we serve, and we allow God to be our confidence and our victor in that, then that is where the victory comes from. That is why worship matters. Amen? And, and like I told you in, in week one, it can sound like this one week, it can sound like that the next week, it can be loud, it can be soft, it can be all of these things. I can find scripture that, that condones all of it. Amen. I even told you that David got to the point in the place to where he didn't feel like there were sufficient instruments to worship God. So he created new instruments and he played them in the temple. Amen. Because he felt like there needed to be something bigger and better to extol who God was in people's lives. Shouldn't we live like that? Shouldn't we live like that? Shouldn't we think like that? Shouldn't we be putting our life in a place and in a perspective and in a pursuit of, of how we can lift God up to, to its full appropriateness in life? Amen? And instead, we, we whine and cry about everything coming and going. David, David brings himself to this place to where he says... That he was made, I was made a little lower than the angels for the cause of Christ. I was made a little lower than the angels because of who my God is that sits on the throne. Thou madest him to have dominion, talking about man, this is what God has given to us. Thou has madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep, all oxen, yea, all the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O oh, Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Now, I say that in verse nine, or chapter 9. I'm not going to read chapter 9 to you, but you really need to read chapter 9 past this to understand where David is. David started all the way back in chapter 3, woe is me. And the more he talked about God, the more he acknowledged who God was, the more he he understood God's power, and the more he began to understand that that power and that love and, and that fever that comes from serving a holy and righteous God bore itself into him, and he began to talk more about who God was than he talked about who the enemy was. And as he began to talk about more who God was than who the enemy was, he began to see what God had blessed him with and brought into his life. And as he began to talk more about how God had blessed him and what God was bringing into his life, he brought himself to a place of where the enemy just doesn't really matter anymore because God is all this inside of me. Amen? God is all this inside of me. And so he lived victoriously. He lived triumphantly. He lived far better than any Marines getting ready to take on an armor of tanks. Amen? Amen? Because he believed in his God. Amen. As Marines, now, yeah, I, I believed in God then too. But as Marines, we're taught to rely and believe on our brothers. Amen. And then I talked to you last week about the unity. Amen. It's gotta be unity in our worship, it's gotta be unity in our understanding of God. There's gotta be unity in, in how we pursue our mission field and how we battle in our mission field for the cause of those that need Jesus. Amen. Realizing and understanding that our power comes through God in that unity. Amen, because when we bicker and squabble, we really show how weak we are. Amen, that that's really that's that's not us gaining any victory in Jesus. Amen, that's the enemy defeating us. Amen, because what that means is we've taken our eyes off of God. And we have put our eyes on each other and circumstances and stuff. Amen, and the enemy just steps back and goes, <laughs> I've divided them again. Amen? And that's his job. That's how he wins. And you know how we beat him? In worship. We beat him by lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. We beat him by lifting up the Holy One and realizing that my opinions don't really matter at the end of the day. What matters is thus saith the Word of God. What matters is the power and the glory of the one who sits on the throne. And it's my job to declare that glory. Amen? Your job too. And we're called to that place where we understand that and we embattle that. And then we sing his praises. I don't think for a minute that after, after the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, and, and then they, they watched that sea collapse on, on, the, um, on the Egyptian army, I don't think for one minute that they were quiet in their celebration. I don't think for one minute that Exodus was at chapter 18, maybe, whatever it is. But the song of praise that they give after that, I, I, don't, I don't think that they, they were just kind of bebopping through the motions, amen? I think they had a fit. I think they had a fit. I think they had a celebration because they saw their captors who have created so much injustice on them for their entire lives destroyed and defeated at the hand of of Almighty God. And I believe they worshipped. I believe they sung His praises. I believe they danced. I believe they ran. I believe they lifted hands. I believe they shouted. I believe they screamed. I believe they did all manner of things to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen? And I'm not challenging you to do something that you don't feel comfortable with, but I am challenging you to praise Him. I am challenging you to worship Him. I am challenging you to bring yourself to a place that you declare Him holy over your life. Amen? That's when worship becomes a warfare. That's when we allow the repetition of song, and that's where we allow the repetition of scriptures, and that's where we allow the repetition of the things that mandate who God is from those who fought the battle long before us. Amen? When we allow those truths to repeat in our life. And take root in our heart and in our mind. And drive us into battle. That is when worship is a warfare. And that is when we embrace a God. That it doesn't matter who the enemy is. Amen. There are a lot of things. I've endured a a lot of things in 30 years of ministry. I've seen the great. And I've seen the ugly. Okay. I've seen it all. Right. Well. No, God forgive me. I haven't seen it. I'm sure there's a whole lot of ugly I haven't seen that others have seen because people are just that way. But but in all of that time, what I have always found is those that chose to to, to fall into that pit and, and get stirred up in that stuff are the ones who never really find victory in Jesus. You can see how they live. You can see it in their demeanor. You can see it in their life. You can see it in their testimony. You can see it in how they talk. You can see it in how they walk. You can see it in how they lead people to Jesus. Because they usually don't. And what I have seen in all of that is I have seen Satan work. And I've seen him destroy. I've seen him defeat churches. I have seen places where people were getting saved Left and right, I've seen Satan plant one stupid seed and one stupid mind, and and it all get destroyed in a matter of a couple of weeks. But then, I've also seen little grannies stand up and chastise a church for losing sight of who God is, and challenge that church to turn from their wicked ways. Challenge that church to put God back on the throne in each person's lives. And I've seen the little grannies begin to hoop and holler and wave their hankies and walk up and down the aisles. And claim victory in Jesus over people's lives. Amen. I have literally heard them say, remove the evil spirit and the indignance from this one. And this from this one and this from that one. I'm thinking, whoa, my goodness and everything else, and a power of God fell upon that place, not because of who she was challenging, but because of the God she was putting in charge who said, yep, I'll end it. And I've seen people who would have, before church service, would have just soon gutted each other, fall on their knees in an altar, bawling their eyes out, crying, hugging, and snotting down each other's neck. Amen? When we choose to worship and declare God over our battles, over our enemies, over those who stand in the way of our mission field, whatever our mission field is, when we choose to battle and worship rather than battle in how smart I am or, or battle in what my reputation is or, or, or battle in this or battle in that or, you know, we, 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 we battle over some really dumb things. I can, can I get an Amen. Amen. And there are a lot of people, I, I spent I spent about three hours on, on Messenger the other night. Uh, I was trying to sell some TV, and the next thing you know, I'm talking to someone about the, the battles that they have at their church, and, and how men had just taken over and driven God out, and, and, and the hurt, and the problems that it was causing in their family, and in their home, and how their kids were crying because they didn't want to go to church anymore because they were afraid of this one, or they were afraid of that one, and, and all of this, and that, and the other, and, and so forth, and it, it just stood out to me. I'm like, there, there's really no worship there. There's really no excellence of God in that mindset. There's really no throne. It's just a bunch of men messing it all up. We've got to embrace our worship. We've got to embrace our need of a God on a throne that is in all power. Amen? And, and whatever we muster and whatever we put forth and whatever we've learned and wherever we've been is wonderful and it's great and it should grow us in our faith, not grow us in our attitude. Amen? There's a, a thing on, on, on Facebook. I don't, I don't know that I can remember it exactly, but I saw it, I think it was this week, and everything else that it said, I would, I would much rather fail and, and learn from it than and then to have a great accomplishment and become arrogant over it, amen. And the problem is, a lot of us do great things in the name of Jesus, and then we start to puff ourselves up over it. Then we start to think ourselves to be something when we're nothing. Then we start to bring excellence upon ourselves rather than continuing in worship and mission, amen. And and to me, if if your heart is centered on God, you're, you're going to be focused on two things. You're going to be centered on worship. Amen? You're going to lift Him up, and you're going to glorify Him, and you're going to praise Him because you see how excellent and wonderful He is. And you're going to be focused on mission. God on a throne and seeking to save the lost. Love them, encourage them, embrace them, defend them, help them, lift them up. And bring them to a place where God has all victory in their lives. The same as He is in yours. If you look, if you, if you look at the Bible, you see that example over and over. Moses, go, go set my people free. Right? Jesus, amen, could have called 10,000. They stood at attention waiting for His call. But He said, no, I'm going to set the people free. Amen? He descended into the lower parts. And kicked down the gates and set free those held in captivity. Amen? And the disciples again and again and again preached the name of Jesus till their dying breath because they found victory in who He was over who they were. The plaudits and the titles and the I've earned it stuff never mattered. Never mattered to people whose heart were focused on Jesus Christ. And so, friend, I urge you I urge you to make worship your warfare. I urge you to look beyond the enemy and see the victory. Amen? Paul said it like this. Paul said it like this. To live is Christ. To die is gain. When we're living like that, we're already victorious. We're already a winner. Amen? Because it means that living, living is about the mission, living is about the service, living is about making sure Jesus Christ gets every soul he can. Right? That's what living is about. And dying, dying is about laying down a legacy that doesn't doesn't talk about me, but talks about Jesus. A legacy that says, man, There's somebody that lived for Jesus to his dying breath. And this person was saved and that person was saved and this church was built or that was built or this community was turned around or this situation was changed all because they choose to walk and live in the power of God. Amen? So when we worship, amen, and we all do it different, and that's okay. That's okay. Amen? If you want to run and shout and climb these pews, do it. Wave that hanky, sister. Amen? You want to stand there and just lift a subtle hand but open your heart up and and shed tears, do it. Do it. Amen. You want to clap your hands? Do it. You want to run around, run around. Amen. Now don't do it for show. Make sure it's in the spirit. Amen. And you in you in the spirit, you got the power. Amen. And there might be a lot of people who point fingers and judge at you, but it's all because they're not in a mission field. They're in a minefield. Amen? But what we need to do is we need to worship. What we need to do is we need to declare that God is holy over our enemy. We need to declare that God is powerful over the adversary. Anything less Anything less isn't worship, and anything less doesn't bring victory to our lives. Amen? So as we, I encourage you to go read those 20 Psalms. I mean, you can read all the way up to 150 if you want. It may take you more than a day or two, but um, <clears throat> I would encourage you to do it. But you can go and you can read those first 20 Psalms, and you can see how David did this, and then all of a sudden he hit that moment where it just clicked. He realized that he was who he was because of who God is. And then he began to walk in the victories that came from the throne and not the victories that came from man. He didn't care about the armor. He didn't care about the daughter, even if he didn't know about it. He didn't even care about the giant. All he cared about was God. And he was victorious that day. And we still tell the story. We still still tell the story. Why do we tell the story? Because David's all that? No. We tell the story because God's all that. And he did a wonderful work through David. He did a wonderful thing through David. That's where our victory comes from. So when we look at worship, we need to see it as a warfare. We need to understand that it is a warfare, not out there, but it is a warfare in here, bringing us and tapping us in to the power of God in our lives and in the situations that we face every day. Amen? And we come to that place in the point where we win because Jesus has already won. Amen. So let's stand this morning as they get a song of invitation. I, I, want, you, I want you to really look close at yourself. Right? Because I challenge you. I know I challenge you, but it's partly my job to challenge you. Right? And, and I challenge you to look at yourself. And I want you to understand, where, where number one, where's your walk right now? Where's your walk? What's your standing with Jesus? What's what's your goals in in being His child? Amen? Ask yourself those things. What's your goal in being a child of God? Amen? And And then when you answer that question, bring yourself to that place to where you're embracing and understanding what is my mission field? What is my mission field? What is God calling me into? Where does God want to place me? So that I might help him seek and save the lost. What is my role? What is my job? Amen. And then when that answer becomes clear to you, and that might take a little bit of time and a little prayer, supplication, and fasting, but when you arrive at that, I, I encourage you to come to this place. Then how do I do it? How do I overcome it? How am I not qualified? I stutter just like Moses, or, or I don't talk eloquently, or I don't do these things. I encourage you. Who has all power and will do all things in heaven and in earth and in you? Amen. So why when we pray, that's why when Jesus said, "When you pray, pray like this," Amen. Thy kingdom come in earth, not on. We say on way too much. I know the modern translations say on, but if you go all the way back, it says in. Amen. Why am I just talking about in here, in earth, in me, in my heart, in my mind, in my?